All right, guys, welcome back again to this three-part mega series of Some Like It Hot. Oh my goodness, what a time we are having in this Corona Fest world. Thanks for staying with us. Yes. Thank you for staying in quarantine. If you're staying in quarantine, if you're not, then get inside. What are you doing? Just watch some old movies with us. Jesus. <laughs> yes, they can be your friends. Those characters can be your friends. Yes, we were just we were literally just talking about and by no means is this a classic and it's definitely not an old movie, but I am legend with Will Smith. Stay inside, folks. Stay inside with your German shepherd. Don't let them turn into a zombie and <laughs> my gosh stop <laughs> yeah well, uh, i don't even know where i'm going with that it's not even closely related to some like it hot but well some like it hot here <laughs> yes. we are some like it hot florida. yes we made it folks yes we made it to florida the train is pulling in and we get the amazing song down among the sheltering palms oh my gosh this is a i love this cute song it fits yeah. the scene so well yeah beautiful okay so the hotel in the movie is called the Seminole ritz hotel it's played by the hotel del coronado in california i would never guess that this is a californian hotel it screams florida to me like screams right. 1920s florida it looks like the grand floridian at orlando it's gorgeous and yeah so it, it's filmed in california but it takes place in Miami. Yeah, it was more specifically filmed in San Diego, which if anyone's familiar with San Diego, they know that there's a lot of military bases there, which made it exceptionally hard when they were filming all the beach scenes because they had constant airplanes flying over, a lot of military noise, and so they had very short sort of time slots that they could fit in all their all their scenes and all their shots. So uh, difficult, but I think part of it... Difficult when you have difficult with one of your actors too yes yes and i think they made this sort of adjustment specifically for that actress and her they name did. and her name rhymes with Waryn Monroe. sherilyn chantro Berlin Monroe. <laughs> it's marilyn monroe folks and so uh and so yeah they wanted to be a little bit closer to to home to la i think for her because Right, she was getting more pregnant during this part of filming. So, yeah, and a fun fact, and again, this isn't an actress spotlight on Marilyn, but a lot of things about her life are going to pop up. She is one of the kind of OG LA girls to turn into a big star. She's an LA native, and she's one of the earlier ones that are from the area and not a transplant. What a life! Yeah, so the girls make it there, and they come out of their bus all dressed up, and what do we see? a line of well-dressed older gentlemen, presumably millionaires, just watching them come out like some Red River cattle. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know what? It's the sexualization of women. But I love, you know what I kind of like is we got this first look from the man's point of view. We looked at it from like Jerry and Joe's eyes onto, you know, sugar. And now I feel like we're getting it from an outsider or the woman's point of view looking at the men. <laughs> Right. Having to deal with all this BS that they put up with in the world that I'm unaware of, guys are unaware of. And so, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's interesting. Yes, ally. Yeah. Yes, queen. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, these guys are watching them and Sugar goes in with Josephine while Daphne is stuck carrying the instruments and the luggage. As she gets to the top steps of the hotel, she slips out of her heel and one of the men, Osgood Fielding III, introduces himself and helps Daphne put her shoe back on. He follows her to the elevator, trying to put the moves on her, 
he asks her how when she plays a fiddle if she uses a bow or if she just plucks it. She responds by saying most of the time she slaps it. Oh, great dialogue delivery by our dear Mr. Lemon. Uh, the Osgood Fielding, the third character, is played by Joe E. Brown, who is a comedian, was a comedian at the time, actor. So funny. This guy nails this character. I can't express my approval enough <laughs> and they have awesome chemistry between the two oh. jack lemon and joey brown so really really funny and i love that slap it line like I slap it amazing <laughs> yeah and so uh yeah the chemistry between the two <laughs> you can call it that is so it's so oh, funny it's chemistry yeah it, it's chemistry and um osgood hops in the elevator with daphne the camera work here is also phenomenal. You just see the elevator, the numbers sort of on top. They start to go up, and then we immediately see that them. That is such a Billy Wilder move, by the way. Yeah. I feel like that's just so him to take advantage of the like the props, using something else to give you yeah an idea of what's going on. Yeah. So we see the numbers go up, and then we see them come right back down. And Daphne yells when the doors open, "What kind of a girl do you think I am?" Slaps Osgood. <laughs> who is low-key very about it like he's turned <laughs> yeah, he's it, turned on no i and again this is like giving those messages but i like it because i feel like this is one of the first times we get like a real womanly perspective i like that this man jerry is daphne can see the sexism sexual assault and sexual harassment that really happens to women and especially i mean yes in the context of the 50s but the context that extends is back to the 20s so i i love that like you see that it's just pervasive and it just keeps going through the filming you know what i mean but right. yeah so i love that he's the shoe is on the other foot now kind of literally i don't you know, <laughs> actually quite literally. Right. And yeah, so he sees what happens to women through this depiction and that it totally unfazes a guy and makes them not see no means no and just go after them more, which is a very unhealthy mindset and one that has just lasted time and time again, uh, the denial of no means no. So yeah, awesome job to the director and actors for laying this one out yeah and so the girls then check into their rooms with josephine and daphne staying across the hall from sugar at this point in time though it's just josephine in the room and we see her with her little bellhop who's like a 17 year old kid want to see my driver's license and he's like full-on going after josephine super aggressive like oh my gosh what a little pest just put it mildly yeah and now joe is seeing what it's like I mean, and how unsafe, okay, a woman in today's day and age, we have made such amazing strides in looking out for each other and changing laws and being taken seriously in our concerns. But could you imagine being a, well, maybe not you, but maybe you could, whoever is listening and wants to put yourself in a woman's shoes, being a woman in the twenties and then having the bellhop be like, I have the pass key to your room. Like oh. I can just come in whenever. I'd immediately go to management and ask for a new room if that happened to me today. And they would probably bring the police in to question this guy or take a report. Oh, easily. Like, who says that? Who who says that? But it's also weird because I think that it was somewhat accepted at the time. So no one would really bat an eye. I, I don't know if that was actually true, like how it was no. just kind of like quirk, yeah. not quirky, but just kind of like 
This is the 50s. We're not even hitting kind of that big first wave of feminism yet. So again, I mean, it's filmed in the 50s taking place in the 20s. Again, like we said, there's so many parallels between the 20s and 50s. And we see that once again here, that connection that just transcends through time, this horrible botherment of women. Yep. And so he leaves and then Daphne comes in complaining about how she just got pinched in the elevator and we get a very interesting line. Again, feminism really ramping up here. Daphne goes, I'm not even pretty looking at herself in the mirror. And Josephine goes, they don't care just as long as you're wearing a skirt. So again, I think this is why this movie ages so well is because the messages kind of still resonate today. Very forward thinking and writing from Billy Wilder. I don't even know. I mean, I wish I could say it's forward. I just think it's just so ingrained in society that we're still struggling with it today. Yeah. He was thinking it way before. I like that. I, like that. I, I think it was progressive to actually make that into your art form for sure and call attention to it. And, and to have a guy say it too, because I think that's what we need is like those male allies to not speak for us, but just speak up and also stand up to the system. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, the two debate leaving for another male band, but Joe tells Jerry that Spats is probably looking for them in every male band in the country, so they have to stay with this group. Jerry thinks that he's just after Sugar, and as they talk, they get interrupted by Beanstalk asking <laughs> if they've seen his suitcase with his resort clothes and his glasses. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> Where could those be? I wonder. And so Sugar comes in, too, asking them if they want to come along for a swim. And Josephine says that she thinks that she's going to stay behind and just soak in a hot tub. When Sugar and Daphne leave, Josephine pulls out Beanstalk's suitcase and starts to put on his glasses and his hat. Ha ha. So Joe had them the entire time. And you know who's into glasses and nice clothes? Sugar. Yeah. And so as Daphne and the girls play in the ocean, which is also hilarious watching i love this scene i love it it's also super nostalgic great throwback to the 20s and that carefree beachiness and i love like i think it's it, this is actually so funny to see jack lemon's body in comparison to the women's his body is so masculine because to be honest like covered up i'm like yeah that's a that's like, you know, a full figured woman. Yeah. But when you see it like this kind of stripped down, I'm like, wow, you're like, <laughs> I feel like she's you're strong. a little bit of a tomboy looking. Um, <laughs> and again, for our friends and lovers and admirers of the drag community, just my personal opinion, Daphne could have used a little more padding, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if they had that, um, that gear. <laughs> Wow, they look, look at me. Look at how I sound. I know they had what, the goods. <laughs> the like, um, padding. Yeah. Tools. yeah. Um, I, I don't know if they had mass marketed <laughs> equipment. <laughs> like, I don't even, what, what do you call it? What do you call it? Padding. It's your accessory. Padding? Yeah, your Part accessory. of your costume. I, yeah. I, I don't know if they had the, the same accessories back in the day as they have now. But I agree. Maybe a little bit more padding. And um, Sugar wouldn't I have... definitely more padding, and Sugar would have thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, great, great scene. And we see Joe 
come by in his disguise as a millionaire. He sits down, he shoes a kid away, scram, and uh, he pulls up in this you know shaded chair in the sand. And it's very Florida. The vibes are very Florida, I will say. Oh, that's why I can't believe, no, I mean, I can't believe they shot in California. They're similar climate-wise. But yeah, this is so aristocrat Florida to me. <laughs> Bougie flow. Like, yeah, exactly. It screams... I don't know, fancy Fort Lauderdale or something. It just looks awesome. Yeah, and so Daphne and the girls come out to uh, to play catch with this ball, and when it's time to throw it to Sugar, they toss it by where Joe is sitting, and he trips Sugar as she runs by. Joe is reading the Wall Street Journal and tells Sugar about how anyone else would sue him for three quarters of a million dollars. And Emma, what is going on with this voice right now? It is based off of our beloved beloved favorite Cary Grant. Uh, he asked Billy Wilder if he could use that as like an imitation for this character. And yeah, it worked and he went with it. So, and I think it's perfect because Cary Grant has this kind of obscure, rich sounding voice. <laughs> like that's super odd. Yeah. And it worked out perfectly. Cary Grant later watched this or well, and there's a scene later where uh, Daphne goes, nobody talks like that. And uh, Cary Grant watched the film and he's like, I don't talk like that. <laughs> like joking, jokingly, like knowing that it sounds like him. Yeah. But he, he was a good sport about it. And I actually, that was so creative because yeah, what was difficult for Tony Curtis was in actuality, he really had to play, three different characters and you're using three different voices for each of them to help differentiate between them. So, and especially the guy guy parts. So I like that he did that. I think that was a brilliant choice and, and to do it like where it's familiar. We're like, I heard that voice before. Where have I heard it? And you're like, right. Cary Grant. Yeah. And they were boys too, right? Tony Curtis and uh, Cary Grant. Like they were, were they friends? Yeah. yeah they yeah. were pals actually. Um, yeah, they were, Wait, were they? I feel like they were in something together. Don't crucify me if I can't remember or if I'm making that up. But yeah, I think they were pals. And yeah, I mean, what a perfect person to like nod to. Because yeah. Cary Grant is so refined seeming. And so <laughs> here I am, refined, refined oil, shell oil. <laughs> and I love that he used that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not the only Cary Grant sort of moments in this podcast go back and listen to an affair to remember our oh, valentine's yeah. day if, yeah if you want to hear the voice firsthand check out an affair to remember yeah back when things were normal back when we had uh the ability to go outside it feels so long like does valentine's day feel so long ago to anybody it feels like it was five years ago it feels really really long ago Oh my gosh, yeah. how the world has changed. We digress. Anyways, we get this crazy Cary Grant voice coming from Tony Curtis, Joe, Josephine, and Sugar passes the ball back to the group where we see some major flirting going on between Joe and Sugar. He uh, he says Her that- Her interest he, is peaked, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, he says that he owns a yacht that doesn't sleep more than 12. And <laughs> Sugar tells him about the band that she plays in and that they specialize in hot jazz. Joe responds by saying he guesses, well, some like it hot, but he prefers classical music. And so... Title drop. Boom. Title drop, yep. And so she asks what he's doing that night, and he says he can't do anything because he only goes out to shore twice a day when the tide goes out. He says it's on account of the shells he has with him. She asks if he collects shells, and he says yes, him and his father and grandfather. 
you might say that we had a passion for shells. That's why we named the oil company after it. <laughs> like, Shell oil? Yeah. This scene is very cute and so rom-commy and adorable because if you listen to Sugar's dialogue, as we learned from her earlier, her dad's a train conductor. Her mom's a music teacher. She's probably not rolling in dough or doesn't come from that background. But if you listen to her talking, she's saying that she was in the conservatory and there's the Vassar girls and Bryn Mawr girls in the group. Those are two very um, good women's colleges at the time. And she talks about how her parents threw a fit when she decided to join this band and how her soirees and coming out parties were such a bore and all that all that's a lie they're both lying to each other to impress each other so it's a pair and that's what's kind of like cute about the scene is they're both trying to act rich and they're both broke and you know they're trying to put up an appearance to each other very endearing like something about that's very um... it, yeah it's it looks like um oh god it's reminding me of a movie but i can't think of what breakfast at tiffany's I was thinking that that might be where my mind was going. Yeah, where they're on the same page, but yeah. in this case, they're both pretending not to be on that same page. <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, yeah, that also is like one of my favorite lines. I texted you like two days ago when I was just doing my rewatch and <laughs> I, I forgot about that line for some reason. It's and The oil company. <laughs> just watch it for the delivery. Like it's perfect. And yeah, that's why we named the oil company after it. And so... <laughs> Daphne prances along, comes to, you know, grab sugar away from whoever this hooligan is. And as she leaves, I, mean, I, I want to point out like how Daphne is so in it. Like when, when sugar's like, I'll be, I'll be along. And Daphne's like, honestly, like, like just, just over it. She's like, we're, we're having girl time sugar. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just a great moment. I love him noticing that, Joe was in on this sort of ruse. Sugar stops her and Joe stands up talking about a girl that he heard that apparently squealed on her roommate and was found strangled with her own brazier. Just it's so it's so funny to watch the banter back and forth of like one still sort of in the act and the other, I, I guess, in a different kind of act. But like, yeah, <laughs> there is um, definitely a little banter threat. Yeah. Thing is funny. Yeah. And so uh, Daphne starts walking away with Sugar telling her that if she were a girl, and she is, that she'd be careful with him. <laughs> Sugar says that she can't wait to tell Josephine, and Daphne tells her that they should run to the room right then and tell her. So I love I love Daphne. Daphne is just... Daphne's hilarious. I love that she's like trying to throw Joe under the bus <laughs> immediately because <laughs> she's over it. Yeah, she's like, no, this is not happening. And so, yeah, back in the room, Daphne is eagerly waiting for Joe to come back in his sort of millionaire outfit. But then they hear Josephine singing from the bathroom. This interchange between Josephine, Daphne, and Sugar is just so money. They they all talk about the Shell Oil Jr. Daphne asks Josephine to look into her crystal ball to see whether or not he'll come to watch them in the plate that night. It's just amazing. Yeah, Daphne is so ballsy. Like literally <laughs> i'm just so cheeky she's just i i see i don't know jack lemon's mother but i see her coming through <laughs> oh me too millie millie yes our favorite little bridge player but yeah so sugar's roommate comes into the room pulls her out because she apparently lost her key again i think that it's it's nice that they have realistic motives for like progressing the scenes i thought that oh, that was that's just that's just it i everything the flow of this film and the script it's 
phenomenal. Everything just lends itself to the next scene perfectly. Yeah, it's not like Sugar's like, all right, I guess I'm going to see you guys later. They always have a and, motive, you know? Yeah, and the actor chemistry is natural. Like, even that roommate, that would be a real thing that would happen. You know, like, your roommate forgets their key. It's just, it's so real. I love it. Yeah, and so, again, just a nod to the writing. But this roommate comes in, tells Sugar that she lost her key, so Sugar bounces, and Joe comes out of the bath and he's still sort of in the outfit, but he's soaked. Like he just he ran or not ran. He bicycled his way. He he, <laughs> he must have had a bicycle. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Joe looks like he's about to just strangle Daphne. And luckily a call inter, uh, intervenes and Joe answers it. And we find out that Osgood is calling from his yacht. He wants to have supper with Daphne on that yacht. And as he hangs up the phone, he tells Daphne that he's going to take Sugar on that yacht later that night. And that'll be happening because Daphne will be on shore with Osgood. Ironically, um, he mentions that this is the new ship, the old one sank. And ironically, in real life, that boat did sink. <laughs> in yeah. real life, that's how it met its end. Yeah. Just a fun little snapple fact yeah. for you. N not to Osgood's acting too. He's just so carefree. <gasps> okay. He is hilarious. I think Joey Brown is so funny. Do I think that this character is a little scummy here and there? Yeah, but he is brilliantly funny. Yeah. It's 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 great. Like everyone is just so on. I don't really think that there's a weak performance. I can't think of anyone who I could see and just be like, oh, I wish like this person was cast differently. Everyone is just perfect. It's superb acting and everyone's funny. Like yeah. and that's hard. Yeah. And so um after that little conversation, we see the girls on the bandstand later that night with Sugar singing, I want to be loved by you. Oh yeah. my goodness, Ori Kelly, Ooh. you are blowing my mind with this costume. <laughs> is, this is one of my favorite costumes ever. This is a sexy and forward seductive outfit. And it's like very much a natural womenly look. This is so funny. A nod to our grandma. She complains that bras today, we look like we have cantaloupes under our shirts because <laughs> um, that's not the natural shape of a breast. But I love that like a natural woman shape is coming through in this costume, which is just amazing. It's not fake. It's like the real deal. Marilyn is all woman. She's so gorgeous. The crystals the sparkles i love that it's kind of a nude color right it's a very suggestive and yeah and again well i would argue that there was a little bit more of freedom for women in the 20s than what was maybe seen in the 50s and i like that this was calling back to a time where women were just kind of owned their sexuality maybe in a uh more universal way than in the 50s so Awesome job, Ori Kelly. You're right. my costume hero here. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh it's a nice balance between elegance, feminism, and just sexiness. And if you're having Marilyn Monroe wear it, it's you know it's gonna be money. And so yeah, overall just great rendition by Marilyn here. And we can see Osgood is in the crowd. He sent flowers to Daphne, which Josephine immediately snags puts a card in while the song is going on joe is like always thinking yeah <laughs> it's just yeah he's he's always one, one step ahead scheming how he can capture sugar's heart make this this facade work but yeah 
after uh, after the song ends, Sugar comes by and sees the flowers along with a note to have supper on Shell Oil Jr.'s yacht later on that evening. And she says, if only her mother could see her now, to which Daphne goes, she hopes her mother never <laughs> finds out, which lulls. And but, just so like little quips like that, you have to listen to find the humor, which I adore. Yeah. And so after the show, Joe runs up to the room, changes into his Shell Oil Jr. disguise. And as he bikes, he just beats Sugar to the dock with his boat. This is one of those things that to me is oddly satisfying, like him just beating her to the dock, <laughs> coming around it and, yeah. you know, getting to the boat in time. But it's also super stressful because this entire time he still has his earrings in. So as an audience member, I'm watching this. I'm like, your earrings, bro, your earrings. And so. <laughs> but that's it. That's where the little thrills come in. Like yeah. the little. <gasps> yeah, like, is he going to. And so, um, yeah, he beats her to the dock. Sugar's running. Literally, like, I don't even know why she's running. I guess she's just excited. But in the nick of time, he remembers to take his earrings out, which was just so it's like a mini stressor, but it's effective. And um, yeah, they get on the boat and he just can't figure out <laughs> how to start it. It's amazing. I, lo- I love the fact that he's just like, you mind if we just reverse it? <laughs> they reverse it all the way to his yacht. I and that's again it's funny because he has no idea how to use a and I'm showing my lack of knowledge the <laughs> little boat not a dinghy but <laughs> like a what's the little boat called regardless small, to- <laughs> small boat he, he doesn't know how to use it and it's show it's just it's funny to see the slip ups in action and so yes once they get on the boat Joe keeps BSing his way around like he knows everything about boating. Honestly, it would be a an interesting thing to see who knows more, Sugar or Joe, about um, seafaring knowledge. But I think it might be Sugar, to yeah, be totally honest. Probably. Yeah. She's the one asking all these questions. And so by luck, Joe finds a room that has some alcohol in it. And uh, on the wall, there's this huge swordfish that Sugar spots. And she asks Joe what it is. Joe says it's a member of the Herring family, Emma. <laughs> this scene is one of those notorious scenes that apparently just took forever for Marilyn Monroe to to get right. Yeah, this was uh, another one of the tough ones for sure. Yeah. And Tony Curtis was really frustrated um, due to his comments. Yeah, <laughs> which we will get into very shortly and so yeah sitting on the couch joe goes into talking about how he can't fall in love with anyone anymore <laughs> an old college sweetheart tore fell off a cliff yeah when he was like a freshman in college and so now he can't love anyone and this so this is a totally bs story out of all the things that have happened in this this is by far the most unbelievable yeah easily and so he even kisses sugar to show her that's impossible but it's kind of a quick peck no, it's, it's like a quick kiss. It's not anything crazy, but he's just like, see, nothing. And eventually he lays down on the couch and Sugar asks if she can take another crack at it to make him feel something. And as they kiss, we see his shoe rising in the back with his toe pointed up, which I don't think is a coincidence. Come on. No, I think this was one of the um, subtleties added to... <laughs> push the code the Hayes code yes Mr. Hayes Mr. Hayes code oh I I love the I I think it's again this is like I was talking earlier they're both pretending 
But I like that they're both super unsophisticated here. And he's talking about his trophies and stuff and water polo. And she's like, isn't that dangerous? And he's talking about how the ponies, two ponies drowned from under him. And I'm like laughing. That's not how you play water polo yeah, at all. Yeah. But I like that he's this really poor man's knowledge of what water polo is. All these like wealthy things. Yeah. And so cut to shore. We see Daphne tangoing with Osgood rather enthusiastically, I might add. And Osgood reminding her that she's leading again, which is so funny. Again, these split second laughs we're getting here. Cut to the boat. Joe tells Sugar that he has a funny feeling in his toes, like someone was barbecuing them under flames. And Sugar says, let's throw another log in the fire. And they start kissing more and more and more and more and more and more. Emma, what was allegedly said by Tony Curtis regarding... Oh, you say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> uh, this is allegedly, folks. But there's so many sources that confirm it, it's hard to deny it, that apparently Tony Curtis said that kissing Marilyn Monroe was like kissing Hitler because That's of... So extreme, you guys. And the acceptability of this has definitely changed. Yes. <laughs> Tony Curtis, though, in an interview strongly denies that he said that but everybody else <laughs> says that he did <laughs> so somewhere along the line i think it was said yeah yeah you don't just kind of make that up i would say <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, the rumor brigade yeah. took over but yeah apparently it was just because of how many times they would have to reshoot scenes and go through things again so i but, think i think tony was getting a little angry at at that the demands are high but i what i really love is the quick cuts back and forth to show the comparison between joe and sugar and daphne and osgood again osgood and daphne are tangoing to the compersita there's the flower in the mouth i love that they're switching the flower off between their mouths like showing how close cheek to cheek they are it's very saucy and funny. And a um, little fun fact, our guy, our little spass Columbo, Mr. Um, George Raft, like I mentioned earlier, was a dancer and he taught them how to tango. This guy can do it all. <laughs> George Raft. I don't even know if I'd want his lessons. You know, like I think I'd be too nervous. Would they feel dirty, yeah. they feel dirty to you? They would feel a little dirty to me. You um, feel, feel nervous that you'd get oft if you blew your tango lesson <laughs> maybe i think it's funny though that in that scene that final sort of dancing scene they're the last two on the dance floor which i can just assume daphne just kept dancing and dancing and dancing just wanting it to end and even the the band members they have the these kind of clothes wrapped around their eyes so they can't see what's going on maybe that's for some privacy i don't know <laughs> oh jeez um <laughs> yeah it's uh very interesting yeah, yeah that's how i took it but anyways the next morning we see Osgood stumble back to the dock while Sugar and Joe walk back to the hotel and they kiss goodbye for now. Well, first of all, wowza, romantic. Yeah. Also, little fun fact tidbit here. <laughs> the, well, Sugar says she kind of not learned how to kiss, but sold kisses through the milk fund. Oh, the milk yeah. fund, if anyone was interested, and then uh, Joe said he'd write a check to the milk fund to thank them, essentially. The milk fund was uh, founded by Millicent Hurst, and it provided free milk for poor people in New York City. Interesting stuff. Yeah, and so... Well, uh, you know, 
you hear this stuff and we're so far away from it now. Yeah. And it's interesting, like at that point in time, you would have known a little better what that reference was. Yeah. And by the end of the, uh, I guess the date, he owed more than a million dollars to the milk fund for uh, all oh. the kisses that she sold to him that night. And That's awful lot of kisses. Oh, yeah. And so as Sugar goes inside, Joe climbs the side of the hotel room, of the hotel back into his room where he sees Daphne playing with some maracas on the bed. He tells Joe that he's engaged. And Joe asks, who's the lucky girl? And Daphne says, I am. So <laughs> That delivery was spot on. I, yeah. The comedic timing and the authenticity is stellar. Do, like In this moment, do you think that he's actually kind of buying into the idea of becoming a female or what is going on here? Gender is such a large spectrum in yeah. someone's mindset. I will say if you're playing a part of something, I think it's kind of like living as a method actor. You're kind of just in it and you start, you can't shake it. And mm -hmm. he's been literally living this out nonstop pretty much. And I don't think he knows, I don't think he actually thinks he is a girl, but I think he's just owning that persona more and more, that alternate part of himself. Right. His feminine end of the spectrum. I think he's just been, it's been hard to get out of, if you will. But I don't think he's like, yes, I am a woman. I am a trans woman or anything along those lines. I just think he's so in touch with his feminine self and it's hard to let go of that role easily. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I agree. Whereas Joe, it is hard to get rid of that role. And yeah, Joe go well, after Daphne says that she's going to marry Osgood, Joe goes, but you're a guy. Why would a guy want to marry a guy? There's laws. There's conventions. It's just not being done. So okay, yes, you guys. This was filmed in, or this came out in 1959. There was a very heteronormative view back in the day, and laws were different than the than they are now. So you know, everyone, we get it. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't even consider that a jab at the movie as much as just like a jab oh. at the time. Like, yeah, I don't. It's it's not. Yeah, it's it's just it's they're talking about how things were back then. Right, and so yeah, and it it's a period piece. So and how conventional things are again. This is a gender bending movie, and it's very non conventional humor. Exactly, and so yes, after that thought provoking question, we hear a knock on the door, and we hear, "It's me, Sugar." The notorious scene, Emma. This this scene apparently took. Over 47 takes to get right. Yes. The sugar, it's me. Me, it's sugar. Sugar. <laughs> I, everything, every, any way you can mess up, it's me, sugar. It got messed up. Yeah. And so, again, do we think that this is because of Paula Strasberg? I or think this what? is stress, barbiturates, just overwhelmed with work expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot was coming into play in terms of her clarity and being able to deliver a very simple line. How many takes was it? Was it 47 over 47? 47? Yeah. 47 for this one. Um, that's a lot for a three word sentence, but yeah, she's really struggling here. And again, this just might be harder to deliver than, I don't know, some of the other scenes for her. Yeah. But it's crazy because I mean, this scene took, monumentally longer to film than they probably expected but the beach scene only took 20 minutes like she got it in the first i think one of the first takes and so it's interesting because 
maybe, yeah, maybe she does identify with that more. Maybe that is a little bit closer to her method style acting that she was trying to really utilize. So I don't know. And again, I I don't know the schedule. This might've been a later or earlier. I don't know at what point she was struggling more earlier or later in the production, but she could have been running out of steam. She could have been just hard from the get go to get this under her belt. But yeah, so the struggle definitely came through. Exactly. And so once they let her in, sugar comes and tells them about how she's engaged. Daphne says how she's engaged. And then the bellhop from earlier comes in with his huge handle of gin. And um, Josephine is just kind of stuck on the bed playing along with the act. Notice how there's just alcohol everywhere, you guys, for yeah. a time when alcohol is banned. Again, it's just kind of playing into like going against the norm or what was expected and something like that and gender norms. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's just so prevalent all throughout the movie. It's I don't, I don't even know if I can come up with a theme for it necessarily, but it's there. And yeah, next we cut to the lobby. And oh, I love the camera work around spats is always phenomenal because it always focuses on his shoes. I Brilliant. That's a great character identifier right there. And, and I actually, I think George Raft is pretty identifiable himself. And especially when you're surrounded by these big thug looking guys. However, having the shoes there, like it just, it really zeroes in on a mobster persona. You know how mobsters have nicknames and like, you know, like yeah. Bugsy's or <laughs> yeah. Scarface or Angel Face or, you know, all these nicknames. And that's his nickname. And I love that they're really showing you his little associator there. Yeah. And so him and his crew walk into the hotel out of all the hotels in Florida. They're having their Italian, what? Friends of the Italian Opera Convention. Yes. At the. And uh, these are maybe friends of the Italian Opera, but they're all mafia people. Exactly. And so. Exactly. Yep, they check in their weapons with, I guess, the other mobsters that are staying at the hotel, and then they start to just check in regularly, and then out of the elevator comes Josephine and Daphne, and as Daphne fixes her makeup, she sees spats in the mirror. I would have a heart attack if, oh my God, if someone that was trying to kill me was practically right behind me, oh my God. And so the two try to turn around and get back on the elevator, Which I would take the stairs. I don't know why they did that, but yeah, whatever. That helps with the plot of things. I was was thinking that too. I was like, maybe that was their like gut instinct. Just like get on the elevator, get on the elevator. But yeah, yeah, I was like, take the stairs. But anyways, they get on the elevator and then as it's closing, they hear someone yell, hold it, hold it. And who comes on? But Spats and his crew. And as they go up, one of the henchmen (laughs) says that they look familiar and asks if they've ever been to Chicago. And Daphne says, they wouldn't be caught dead in Chicago. Ha, ha, ha. The henchman sees that they're in room 414, and Spatz stares at them as he gets off the elevator. Holy lordy, lordy, lordy. Spatz is a very perceptive man. He is starting to think things over. The wheels are turning in his head. Mm -hmm. And so the two, very rationally, start to pack up all their things when Joe realizes that he needs to call Sugar. This I think is the last fifteen to twenty minutes of the movie. It's it's, it's just the pace is so fast here, guys. It's like, so fast, but it works. Yeah, it's it's not over. It's not drawn out, which right. I like. It's a it's a very fast, I guess, climb to the climax. Basically, it's just 
natural and nonstop funny from here on out. Right. And so, um, yeah, the two start to pack up all their things. Joe realizes that he needs to call Sugar. He dials her up and he tells her that he has to leave. He's calling as Shell Oil Jr. He says that he has to leave because there's this merger happening in Venezuela and he's leaving for good. After the call, Sugar comes in asking. Oh, and not only that, but he's marrying another chick. Oh, right, right. Like he's royal or something. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? As a poor person, that's your only perception of rich people is like royalty, royalty. and having to marry to join kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I have to marry her as part of the merger. <laughs> yeah. A funny concept. And so, yeah, this is the scene, another notorious scene where Sugar comes in asking, where's the bourbon? Again, this is the one I was thinking of where it just took so many times to record. She kept saying, like, where's the whiskey? Where's bourbon? Um, They eventually needed to put the line in the shelf. Eventually, she was opening up the wrong shelves, so they had to put it in all the shelves. This was a mess. It was a mess. And there's even the possibility that it just ended up being dubbed because her back is turned towards the camera when she delivers the line. I think it was dubbed, low-key. Well, it was done so seamlessly where... I, in my head, I like to think she pulled through, but you know, I'd have to listen to it again to see if her tone of voice matched up with the tone of voice right before and right after. I don't think so. I'm not giving her a chance. I think- I'm going to give her a little, a little hope, but well, I won't, I won't be disappointed if it was dubbed, but yeah. I, I'm, I know she tried. What do you it's guys think? Forever. Let us know. Reach out to yeah. us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Was it? What dubbed? else are you doing? We're all quarantined. <laughs> yeah, come on. Might as well do it. And so after Sugar comes in, she's crying. She's talking to Daphne Josephine, saying that she'll be right back when the bourbon is empty. And that was pretty much it. That's uh, what they thought was going to be the final time that they saw her. So as so Sugar, sad, actually. Yeah. Could you imagine that being the last memory of like a pretty good friend that you made? As Sugar leaves, we see Daphne and Josephine start making their way out the window. And in another room, we see Spats and his gangsters playing cards at a table. One of the gangsters says that little Bonaparte, who is sort of the the, the chief chief, the chief he's boss. He's like the head mafia guy. He's the Don. He was apparently friends with Toothpick Charlie. Oh, my God. Full circle. Yikes. And, uh, and well, yeah. Spats went a little over his head. Yeah. Personal opinion. I think he went way too far. I am not in the mafia, but I've watched Goodfellas many a time, and you just don't kill someone like that without running it by some higher-up folks. Charlie was made, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and, he was made man. Yeah, and uh, Maybe. yeah, who knows? But Spats did not uh, did not abide by the unwritten rules, and now he's scheming to take out Little Bonaparte, Little Bonaparte which whoa. is also the dumbest name ever. Come on, like. I like it. <laughs> I'm little Bonaparte. I'm little Sebastian. Like that's the it's vibe that it, that's the vibe that gives off to me. But yeah, as they say this, we see Daphne and Josephine in the background climbing down from their balcony and just what terrible, terrible luck. Like these these girls, guys, girls, <laughs> guys and dolls, they are trying to make it out and the gang, the gangsters see them coming down. They keep moving, but Daphne leaves her face and Spats sees the bullet holes inside and they realize that they're the guys that got away from them in Chicago. Confirmed. And then the chase is on and I'm going to call attention to the score. Now we've shifted into thrilling jazz music. Hopefully, I know, I don't think I've done a good enough job of calling out the musicality as the scenes have gone on, but 
little scenes here and there, like when Sugar's sneaking over to Daphne on the train, there's like lighter jazz, like mm-hmm. little da da da. And then there's dun, 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 like when Spats comes on, there's like sultry. Like anytime Sugar's on. Yeah, every everything has a little thing to get you in the mood. And now it's like, now it's hot. You're on the yeah. run. So is the jazz music. Yes. And so uh, the gang runs out of the hotel room to go and try and find them. And Daphne and Josephine sneakily, way behind, they uh, they climb back up the balcony, run inside Spatz's room, and they start running in the hallways. They find a few other patrons of this hotel, and we can assume that they take their clothes, don't want to know how, and they use them as another disguise. Another uh, costume change. Yep. More as, characters. As they go downstairs, Spats recognizes them again, and quickly, Joe and Jerry find themselves under Spats's table at this big gang convention meeting. This is the one on. place they didn't need to go. Yeah, like directly in the worst possible area they could have gone. They end up in. They're simultaneously the luckiest and yeah, most, unluckiest. Yeah, unluckiest people ever in this sort of gang meeting. Um, Little Bonaparte's up there, played by uh, Nehemiah Persoff. Little uh, tidbit for our newer age fans, Nehemiah Persoff is Papa Mousekowitz in American Tale. <laughs> Bet you didn't expect that fun fact out here on the Old Soul Movie Podcast, folks. Bam. And so, uh, yeah, Little Bonaparte, a.k.a. Benito Mussolini, is telling Spats that he did a sloppy job with letting the witnesses get away, but he tells them that he forgives him. And, even, and for killing Charlie, yeah, essentially. And, like, yeah. That was sloppy. Yeah, and um, he tells Spats that he got him a little birthday cake. You got to think Spats knew like this was coming. Oh, I, I, I feel like Spats was still trying to figure out how to play this up until the very end. I think he was like, I have nowhere to go from here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he can probably get away either. So that's just it. If he tried running, they just shoot him. Like, yeah. Like, it, it, he probably just knew, like, it was over as soon the as the gig was up. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think his henchmen knew. They were smiling, but <laughs> I think he was overconfident. He saw a little too close to the sun. He shouldn't have gone to that convention at all. Exactly. And so the whole congregation starts singing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow to Spats. And this giant cake comes out, and then, boom, a gangster pops out the top, mows down Spats and his crew. And for some reason, Joe and Jerry run right. They run away, like, right after it happens. But you know what? Once again, I think this is difficult because if they had just waited the whole thing out, they probably would have gotten caught, and then they really would have been cornered. Here, at least, like, no one was expecting them to come out from under the table, and you could run into, like, a crowded hotel. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. There was no good timing. Yeah. Split second decision. I'm just thinking like, okay, they just got shot. I'm guessing that this guy with a gun is standing right there again. But luckily (laughs) he ran away. Yeah. Luckily he ran away and Joe and Jerry got out of there. But this was something crazy that I only saw in an interview. I didn't see this in any other sort of online forums that I came across was that apparently while this was filming, Billy Wilder was having a really tough time with the whole Maryland situation. And so Tony Curtis and others presumably got an actual stripper for, I think it was Billy Wilder's birthday or maybe just as like as a celebration. And so she came out of the cake 
during one of the takes <laughs> instead of this gangster. And it was sort of a guy's way of, I don't know, lightening the mood. Yeah. <laughs> like the set mood. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice uh, well, I don't know. Not, not the most feminine thing in the world, but like. You know, I don't know. You, I'd you, probably cheer up my director and other ways, but yeah. whatever that <laughs> you don't, you don't get that now. You know what? But yeah, he was very, very over Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And from what it sounds like Wilder appreciated it. It's like a, a, uh, a guy move. It um, was a, it was funny that they incorporated the cake in a different way. But yeah, so Joe and Jerry, are on the run. Well, here's the issue. The other mafia people are now after Joe and Jerry to again. kill them. <laughs> again. Because yeah. now they're yet again witnesses to more murders. So now they need to escape and their best option is Osgood because he's got a boat and no one's watching the boats. Exactly. And so in this hotel, Joe and Jerry are running up the stairs and the camera cuts again to the elevator. Brilliant, brilliant camera work. And we see them come back down dressed as Daphne and Josephine. Oh, glorious. And this is great because the only people that knew that they were in Daphne, like that they were in the woman disguises are dead. So they can wear this again. Exactly. So they go to a phone booth where Daphne phones for Osgood and Josephine hears Sugar singing, I'm through with love in the other room with the band. And um, very Um, strong acting. Yeah, there. love this costume. A, it's like her other one, but now it's black because she's in mourning. And B, yeah, very strong acting. You see the emotionality, the emotional range come through while she's singing. Yeah, I love her sort of tearing apart this scarf, just very like emotional. You can really sense that she's hurt. And Again, um, again, yet again, the same thing happened to her. That's what's sad is all these poor saxophone players have done her dirty and now this rich millionaire has also done her dirty yeah so uh the fuzzy end of the lollipop it looks like she's about to uh to have one more time and joe feels crummy (laughs) yeah as sugar finishes singing though josephine goes up to her and gives her a huge kiss the other gangsters recognize her saying that ain't no dame and josephine bounces and sugar immediately realizes who josephine was I, I love it. Josephine. And you know what? I've got to say, I know Marilyn wasn't in favor of how dumb this character was, but I think that that spark showed that she was smart. Cause I feel like some people still probably would have thought like sweet Sue thought it was a chick still. Right. And yeah, no, she knows, she knows, she knows that it's a guy and it's Joe and it's shell oil junior. It's all the same person. Beautiful. The little light bulb goes up uh, over her head. But yeah, this is funny. So this is the only, because again, uh, going against the code, there was worries that it would be like gay. And yes, there's things between um, Daphne and Osgood that like have this gay undertone. But I also think that this has some lesbian undertones as well, or like worries, concerns as well of like a person dresses a woman kissing a woman. It's all, yeah, again, pushing the code. Definitely. So Yeah. And now they're they're on the run. <laughs> yep. Daphne and Josephine run again through the hotel and make it to the dock where Osgood is waiting in his boat. And close behind is Sugar. She's riding a bike. And she starts running to the boat too. I, yes, Sugar on the bike. I love that she yeah. just got it and went for it. Yeah. She doesn't give two blankety blanks about 
anything anymore. She's not very bright or it's the brightest move that she's made. Of, yeah, she quick thinking and she runs after them. She knows exactly where to go because she's been there before. What a cool move. Yep. She hops in the boat just as they leave and Joe confesses. He says that he's a liar and that he's a phony. He's a saxophone player. He tells her to go back to shore and she tells him to go along, try to talk her out of it. And they embrace in the back. Uh, so I actually do think that that kiss is pretty cute. How like yeah. the jig is up for both them and they kiss and it's adorable. And then we switch over <laughs> to our beloved Daphne and Osgood. Yes. And as that's happening, Osgood says he called mama. She's so happy. She cried. She wants her to have her wedding gown. Daphne says that she can't have the dress that they aren't built the same way. Osgood says they can have it altered. Daphne says they can't get married at all. She says in the first place, she's not a natural blonde. Osgood says it doesn't matter. Daphne, I smoke. Osgood, I don't care. Daphne, I have a terrible past. For three years, I've been living with a saxophone player. Osgood, I forgive you. Daphne, I can never have children. Osgood, we can adopt some. Daphne, oh, you don't understand, Osgood. I'm a man. And then Emma... What does Osgood say? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> perfect this ending. is, uh, well, never intended to make the final film. It was kind of improvised on set by either IAL Diamond or Billy Wilder. They both credit each other for coming up with it. Yeah, but it was kind of one of those classic movie moments of improvising something offhand, not in the script, and it becoming iconic. It is ranked as one of the best lines in a movie of all time. It's just so funny to me that that happens so frequently, you know, just yeah. iconic lines coming from nowhere, seemingly. Sometimes you get to know your characters better throughout filming and as yeah. things go on. And I think this is an instance of that. I think this is one of my favorite closes to a movie ever. This movie is so outrageous and different and crazy for the time. And it's, I know there are a million questions of like, well, now what are they going to do? But this was the perfect way to sum it up. I remember when I was in my my class, my Cinema 190 class, getting a lot of laughs from that last line because people hadn't seen it before. And so, oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it was just, it's because, you know, you're expecting it to end on, I'm a man, and then that being it. But then it's like, yeah, like one I more thing, like one yeah. more thing <laughs> that you're not expecting. And that's, I mean, that's what humor is. It's the unexpected coming to the surface. So I think it's an amazing way to end it. It's an amazing movie overall. I think it covers so many important topics and I'm really happy we got to, to dive deep into it. Emma, is there anything else that we might have missed that you want to talk about or another ode of love that you want to share with everyone out there? folks this was a big one if you've made it this far i thank you and congratulate you and hopefully you can watch the movie with maybe some different insights better understanding than you did previously this is one of the greatest movies to me of the golden era of hollywood it's one of the funniest movies of all time it's one of the best comedies of all time if not the best comedy of all time. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. Everyone really came through with their talents. Even Billy Wilder came to terms with Marilyn's performance years down the road, crediting her with 
pulling through despite all those troubles and really bringing it at the end of the day. And I think everyone worked together so well. It's really a wonderfully brilliant comedy. And again, the writing, everything flowed so nicely. The director's choices, acting choices, everyone kind of, I think people had fun making this for the most part, not always things between people, but (laughs) some, some things got uh, fuzzy with Marilyn and co, but for the most part, I think people had fun with the characters and how different this was. Again, this is kind of the first prominently gender bending movie that I can think of. Yes, there's definitely way more to come down the line, but this I think sparked a revolution in gender and sexism and sexuality and changed the game in terms of production code and how movies were to move forward. So it's a dynamic film. It's amazing. You need to watch it because it's important and it's funny and you're going to, I'm making you do it and you're going to like doing it. It is what movies should be. I would say, I wish they could all be this way. Unfortunately, not all of them are, but we try. I think there's something in there for everyone. So if you listen to all this, trying to get clarity, if you want to watch it, Wow, you already know everything that's going to happen. But also, I think, I hope it pushes you towards wanting to watch it. Yes, and if you are a fan of this movie, if you learned maybe even just one thing that was new or just liked us sort of jogging all these memories for you, thank you again for sharing all those moments with us. It really, it's getting us through these difficult times that we're facing as a as a world human species yes literally as a species i was gonna say as a country i was like no as a continent no as a what the human species homo sapiens we're all in this together and why not have a few laughs a few memories to uh to help us get through these difficult turbulent times so if you're gonna yeah. bunker down with a movie this is a good one to bunker down with yeah and I mean, who wouldn't want to bunker down with us? Jokes. Uh, <laughs> but you got us. This was, this was a very special one for me. So thank you for everyone who decided to listen in and appreciate you. Yes. Uh, we, we had to do a super in-depth take on this one. It deserves it, folks. And um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be your Shrek and Donkey through all these times. Me obviously being Donkey, Emma being Shrek. Um, (laughs) you want to be donkey all right i'll be shrek you can be donkey i want to be princess fiona okay you can be the dragon um (laughs) oh i'll be the dragon yeah i'll be who will i be i'll be like the gingerbread man (laughs) thank you guys again for all the love the support we love you so much don't forget to rate subscribe to share with your friends Uh, This has been another wonderful episode, a few episodes of the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Uh, We cannot wait to have you on here next time. And uh, What's going to come up next? Drop us some suggestions. What do you want to hear while you're um, stranded in your home? Yeah, reach out to us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Type in Old Soul Movie Podcast. You will find it. Um, Always open to suggestions. Yeah, cannot wait to cover more movies. Cannot wait to share some more memories with you guys. Yeah, let's uh let's get busy watching binging and having fun. 
All right, guys. Emma, do you have anything to add on? Uh, nope. Stay safe out there, people. Yep. Take care, guys. Till next time.